The Money Show. Business Unusual. Using predictive data analytics to prevent people getting sick rather than waiting to treat them after they ill. This is interesting stuff, Graham Codrington. This is, I don't know, big interventions, I suppose, in the way in which we look to manage healthcare into the future. Absolutely, Bruce. Good good evening. You know, I think we all know that doctors are amongst the cleverest people. You know, most of our clever friends went on to become doctors and they spent years studying because there's a lot of diseases that they need to know about. And then, of course, there's a lot of medication and treatments that they need to know about. And we trust our doctors when we go to them to know all of that information. So it isn't really a surprise uh, that computers will help them and that uh, we probably expect our doctors to keep up to date with all of the, the latest understanding of those diseases and, and, and the possible treatments. But we need to go further than that. And I think this is what a lot of companies uh, and medical professionals around the world are trying to do now. And that is to say, well, If we can learn all of the things about what happens in your body with the disease, are there any predictors of you getting those diseases? And of course there are. And so there's a lot of work being done in medical systems and pharmaceutical companies and hospital groups all around the world to try and get ahead of illness and sickness and keep us well. And I think the business unusual part of that is, of course, most of these companies make their money when we're sick. So they're kind of getting rid of their own customers, if you like, by doing this. But obviously, it's for the better good. And I I, I think it's coming faster than we imagine. Is it different from, and I've got a friend who speaks publicly about this, and so hopefully she won't take any offense to it, and no names, no pack drill. Uh, But she got to a certain age in her teens and uh, asked her mother, why don't I have any aunties on dad's side of the family? Where are all the women in that family? And she said, oh, they're Mm. all dead before they're 30. Oh, why? Well, no, there's a rare genetic form of breast cancer. And I should have mentioned this to you earlier, but you better go and get yourself checked out. Because if you carry a particular gene, uh, the odds are you will develop this breast cancer, almost 100% guaranteed, and you will die. So, yes, please go and get yourself checked out. And she did. Um, and she was tested positive for the gene and took the only preventative Angelina Jolie-style preventative action of a double mastectomy to ensure mm-hmm. that she would never be subjected to this. Um, and 20 years later ish um she is in great shape and she's incredibly healthy and she mitigated that risk through genetic testing um which identified the problem and then she mitigated her risk by taking quite a drastic step but this is more tech focused really than sort of i suppose microscope fo- microscope focused which is what she would have used to test the the genetics of her concern yeah, but it, your story is is exactly what we're trying to do. The only difference now in the 2020s is we want to do it at scale for everybody at an affordable rate. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, uh, families who have a family history of something, that wisdom needs to be handed down through the family. And, and then, you know, you, you deal with that information uh, as it comes up. My own family has situations where people have chosen not to have children because of the possibility of hereditary uh, issues. So people have been making these sorts of decisions for, well, centuries, I suppose. But now we can do it a lot more 
more scientifically. Uh, we don't only do it for those people who can afford it or who have that knowledge in their system. Uh, we need to find ways to be able to, to take this at scale. And that really is, is the promise at the moment. And, uh, it, it can be as simple as, uh, enabling people or incentivizing people to to make some lifestyle changes. And there are a number of companies uh, all around the world spearheaded by some South African companies, as it happens, who are have, are using data to give feedback to people to help them to do their annual checkups and then adjust their lifestyles proactively. Um, but it can go well beyond that. Uh, as you've identified, we can get into DNA testing um, and uh, even medical devices that will be linked to your smartwatches. That's probably going to be the way that most people experience this predictive medicine first. And, and There's all... a lot more information coming via your watch. Absolutely. Anybody with a smartwatch during COVID was very cognizant of the data it was measuring. It was looking at heart rates. It was looking at blood oxygenation. It was looking at stuff that we'd never thought of as being particularly important before, but suddenly with COVID as a threat, you started feeling a little bit peaky. You started saying, okay, what is my blood oxygenation? Oh, 99%. Mm. That's mm. fine. We carry on. That's not too serious. Drops below 90 go and see a doctor, or whatever the numbers were back in those days. It's amazing how fast we forget. Um, but a lot of the stuff is already here, isn't it? Well, that's exactly right. So I genuinely think that that's what uh, Apple with their watch and, of course, other options are available. Uh, they won, <laughs> as, as you mentioned uh, just at the top of the hour, Apple do tend to be on the more expensive side, but they, they, they're leading the way with this technology. And I think that's because they want to do more than just have a nice watch on your arm. I genuinely think Apple are moving very fast and hard into this uh, preventative healthcare space. But uh, other companies like Medtronic, for example, have a little patch now for people with diabetes. They've been a company that have provided diabetes uh, instruments and uh, medication for many, many years. But now you just pop this this patch on your stomach and it links to an app on your phone and you don't have to do those those regular insulin and blood sugar tests it's, it's all done by the app um and and it's all automatic essentially and so we're beginning to see it not just from your traditional medical companies but also from other interested companies like technology companies and of course, with the pharmaceutical side of things, uh, when you start moving into the realms of mRNA and CRISPR and stem cells, uh, CRISPR being the technology that won the Nobel Prize for Medicine two years ago, that then allows us to even get down to the genetic level and telling people about the genes, what's going on in their bodies, and then actually giving them the opportunity to take corrective action. It's so interesting. I mean, you mentioned the technologies and Apple, and Discovery, I think, at one stage was the biggest reseller. Maybe it still is the biggest reseller of mm. Apple products in the world because of the healthcare applications. And just this week, I see uh, Discovery has been recognized by Forbes magazine, serious stuff, in the United States, in the global change the world rankings. And I mean, this is 
big stuff because Discovery was rated number four by Forbes magazine. And it's a case of saying, well, you know, their whole shared value model and they're living healthier and getting the points and getting the rewards for doing your tests and doing your exercise and eating lettuce uh, three times a day, the stuff that gets you the maximum number of points. Um, it, it's interesting to see that that level of um, activity that is happening in South Africa is being globally acknowledged as being leading in this world of preventative medicine, which is, I suppose, in its own way, kind of the predictive medicine that you refer to. Absolutely. And and Vitality's uh, information is unbelievable in that they have correlated not just this increase in your vitality, increase in your health, but they've then linked that to salary increases and to people's motivation. And it so it isn't just about getting healthier. It's about living better, working better, uh, getting the salary increases because of these improvements. And internationally, the Vitality program in particular is, is getting noticed. It's coming up in case studies that I've seen out of Harvard recently of how to take a significant group of people and give them a significant shove forward in, in some of their, their health care. The trick, of course, and I think that uh, discovery and and others there, there are others in south africa that are using similar systems the trick now is to get that at scale of course it shouldn't just be accessible to only the rich people only those who can afford it but that's the great news with technology uh, that we've seen to go back to your story about apple you can get a fairly good uh, computer and a fairly great smartphone for a fairly reasonable price these days and if that comes with preventative healthcare applications and uh, abilities within it, uh, it's going to make a significant difference to the way that all of us live. The, the big difference between what was medical aid back in the early 1990s when Adrian Gore dreamed up Discovery was that he wanted to, he wanted to ensure that people didn't claim. Um, so if you live healthier then you don't claim. So if, if you have your members living healthier lives and taking fewer risks and you can um, assist them in that process and incentivize them to live like that, well, then you're going to get fewer claims that makes your business more sustainable into the future. And that's all well and good. Wouldn't it be nice if we could take something like this and apply it into a public health care system? It may uh, enable a, a, a future NHI to actually work. Well, you know me, Bruce, I like to dream and some people do argue that I'm slightly more idealistic and um, optimistic than than I have the right to be. But I can picture uh, a government in South Africa in the near future getting hold of NHI and we've committed to doing it now and I think it would be a good thing if done well. Why don't we do it this way? Why don't we do it in a way where you get put into a system that is more focused on preventative health care. We pay our doctors and our health care system to keep people healthy. Um, so, you know, the, the doctors get money when people don't come to them, if you like. And there, there is an accounting model that does work in the background. A Chinese province um, has actually been experimenting with that for a few years, and it seems to be working. But I wonder... If it wouldn't cost that much more than what we imagine the current NHI proposal would cost, and we could do something that hasn't been done anywhere else in the world and see remarkable impact in in South Africa. Uh, It's not a prediction, it's a hope, 
but I think it, it, it could be done. And we're right at the perfect moment in history to see new technologies, embrace them and implement them here in South Africa. We can dream. Absolutely. And we can, we should, and nobody should hold you back from your dreams, Graham Codrington. Fly, little bird, fly. Don't stop dreaming. Graham Codrington um, interprets the present to help analyze the future. Um, and he is uh, a deliverer of great insights. He's a futurist. He's a partner at Tomorrow Today. Uh, he is a remarkable mind and contributor to all aspects of the way in which we live now and how we're going to live into the future and how technology is going to aid that. Uh, into the future as well.